Welcome to Realty Talk, the show that brings together the country's most authoritative and respected property experts. Follow us on all the socials and subscribe for updates and exclusive offers. Realty Talk is powered by realty.com.au, connecting buyers, sellers and agents differently. Hi and welcome to Realty Talk, Australia's longest running and most popular online property show. I'm Bushy Martin from Know How Property Finance. And with the mainstream media's continued focus on rising rates, this week's show has a very strong interest rate theme. To kick things off, will the property market crash as rates rise? Well, industry veteran Terry Ryder from Hotspotting returns to balance the books in response to continued media scaremongering on the impact of interest rate increases on property values. And what are the golden rules that you need to adopt to ensure that you buy good quality property. As property markets around the country return to more normal conditions, buyer's agent Warwick Brooks from Longview joins us to review what you need to look for. And to close out the show, leading commercial buyer's agent Scott O'Neill from Rethink Investing discusses the impact of rising interest rates on commercial property investing. And before we get underway, make sure you don't miss another episode of Realty Talk by signing up on the realty.com.au homepage so that you get every show in your inbox every week. And I'll even throw in a free copy of my award-winning book, Get Invested, if you make the effort. We've got some great insights to share, so let's get on with the show. Hi and welcome. Now, if you make the mistake of listening to mainstream media, You'll be aware that there's endless speculation and scary headlines and what's going to happen now that the cash rate is rising. And in recent times, in the absence of other things to keep us scared and staring at the ceiling at night, we're seeing headlines full of the disastrous consequences of ongoing interest rate rises, including mortgage stress and, of course, a property market crash. Now, a wise man recently said that there are three reasons for this. Firstly, that journalists believe that we're all breathlessly interested in what's going to happen with rates. Secondly, that they lack imagination and they're collectively incapable of coming up with original useful storylines. And thirdly, they think the Reserve Bank Governor Philip Lowe is a shameless and habitual liar. Now, I wholeheartedly agree with this. And that wise man is today's special guest, Terry Ryder from Hotspotting. He joins us again to bring some balance into the interest rate debate. So welcome back to the show, Terry. Hi, Bushy. Always good to talk to you about real estate. Yeah, likewise, mate. Now, to kick things off, uh, the news has yet again been filled with many headlines forecasting that property prices are going to crash uh, given the start of the interest rate rises. Is, is this a realistic scenario as you see it? No, it's not. And I, I wonder every time I see those headlines where they get that kind of analysis from, what they base it on. Because journalists, you know, if, if you come up with a positive storyline, they'll, they'll always ask you hard questions. But if you come up with a screaming negative, they'll just accept that and let it go through to the keeper. No questions asked. So nobody in media has actually challenged any of the people who are predicting that a rise in official interest rates will mean property prices will fall. No one's ever challenged that. And so, well, what do you base that prediction on? Because it would be unprecedented if it happened. I'm, I'm absolutely certain that's not going to happen. If it did, it would be without precedent because, you know, you, you don't, it's not rocket science. It's very easy to go back and, and look at what's happened previously when there's been interest rate rises. And there's certainly no previous uh, occasion in which a, a single interest rate rise or even one or two or three um, 
has resulted in property prices falling. That's never happened before. Yeah, well, let's let's take a bit of a walk uh, back through the past uh, and get you to tell us what, what history tells us about the reaction of a strong market to a lift in the official interest rate. Well, what we see, we, we don't very often have um, genuine national property booms in Australia. The one we're currently in is, um, is the sort of event that happens maybe once every 15 or 20 years. The last one was um, 20 years ago, 2001, 2003. Some markets continued to grow into 2004. Yeah. And back then, interest rates were much, much higher than they are now, and they were rising. The Reserve Bank was lifting interest rates uh, regularly to try and quieten things down, and the boom raged on. It certainly didn't cause uh, any, any pause in the, uh, in the property boom. Um, and um, ANZ Bank, um, one, one of the few people to actually put out recently a, a decent analysis of all this, refers to that period um, of tightening interest rates, which extended from 2002 to 2008. So the Reserve Bank was regularly lifting interest rates for that period. And they note that during that period, average property prices in Australia rose more than 50% during a period of five or six years of interest rate rises. So there's a precedent which is, is quite different to um, what we're hearing in mainstream media when, when, and which is not being challenged by a single journalist. Mm. Um, also, the, the, before that, the previous um, property boom was the late 80s. And I'm old enough to have been, uh, not only remember it, but somebody had a mortgage during the late 80s and everyone was paying uh, mortgage interest rates that were in double digits. Yeah, I was up around 17%. It uh, was my unfortunate memory of the, the late 80s, Terry. Well, they went, the interest rates were being uh, lifted repeatedly and the boom ranged on and eventually mortgage rates reached 17%. I mean, it's mind-boggling to people who are currently paying 2 or 2.5% interest rates could be that high. Um, it um, Eventually, the boom, as booms always do, came to an end, um, but um, I took a, a lot of interest rate rises to quell that particular uh, runaway train. So we, we have um, some recent precedents to look at and um, some good information there. It, despite all of that, it's become accepted in mainstream media across Australia that it's a fact that an interest rate rise means prices will fall. Um, and I just think they're plucking uh, these um, these ideas out of a certain part of their anatomy where they should put it back because it's it's, it's just not based on on any substance at all. And um, you know we've we've just had um, the Reserve Bank for the first time in ten years lift the official interest rate. But prior to that, banks were already lifting interest rates. Um, they were lifting their variable rates, but in particular, they have been lifting their uh, fixed rates. Right in anticipation because there was only one way that interest rates could go yeah. after 10 years without an increase and the official rate at 0.1%, it couldn't go any lower. So we already have seen a period um, recently of um, interest rates nudging upwards and it hasn't really um, had the effect that media says it will. And in the latest price data, most jurisdictions across the country are still producing really strong price growth, notwithstanding the fact, notwithstanding the fact that the interest rates are actually higher already, even before the Reserve Bank moved. Yeah, exactly right. And and uh, let's let's look at it in reality. Interest rates are only one component of a whole range of different measures now that are 
uh, used to temper what's going on. So uh, to, to hang your hat on interest rates is a, a bit naive in that respect. So uh, tell us, uh, are you able to confirm or otherwise whether there are already multiple buffers built into the system to soften any impact yeah. from rising interest rates? Yeah, the general me media rhetoric is that if interest rates rise, there'll be mortgage stress everywhere and so prices will fall and there'll be you know, diabolical consequences. What they have conveniently overlooked is, is the many buffers that are in the system. Um, and the Reserve Bank has also pointed this out and trying to sort of dampen down the media excesses about this. Um, there's some very significant uh, buffers in the system. One, one is that most households are well ahead of their mortgage repayments. Yep. In fact, many households are more than two years ahead. Yeah. Uh, the, the second buffer is that because of the uh, COVID restrictions and lockdowns and the fact that people couldn't travel as they normally might, there's record savings in the system. So the typical household has a lot of money in the bank to mitigate against any uh, household pressures caused by higher mortgage repayments. But the biggest one of all, the one that will prevent this causing any dire consequences is, is the the APRA dictate that when you when banks assess you for a mortgage today, they don't assess you at 2.5%, they assess you at 5.5%. Exactly. So you've got to prove that you, based on your numbers, your income, your expenses, you have the ability to repay your mortgage with interest rates much higher than they are today. So we could have uh, interest rates levels doubling in this country. And according to the APRA system, most households would still be comfortable. They might not like it, they might uh, be cursing the Reserve Bank and the banks for lifting their interest rates, but according to that buffering, um, they should be comfortable in most cases and still be able to repay the mortgage, keeping in mind that even if interest rates go up for the next four or five months each month, we still will have interest rates that are lower than they would normally be. You know, back at the start of the century, 7 8% was normal. That, that's what, you know, we were comfortable paying then. Yeah. Um, and um, we're way, way below that, even even with rising interest rates now. Yeah, I totally agree. And, you know, in our mortgage broking business, Terry, yeah, there's layer upon layer of uh, buffers built into the whole uh, loan application process to make sure that uh, hardworking Aussies with a mortgage aren't putting themselves in a dangerous situation. So 100% agree. Now, sort of turning back to the property exercise, given your hot spotting reports are continuously monitoring property movements around the country, what do you see happening with prices in the different markets for the remainder of 2022 then? Well, I think we're going to see lots of different situations, which is the norm in Australia. I mean, last year, 2021, it felt like uh, prices were going through the roof everywhere, and to a certain extent that was true. Yeah. In 2022, it's going to be more segmented, and we're already seeing signs of that in the price data that's coming through. There are emerging signs that maybe Sydney is, is slowing down, but there's no signs that uh, cities like Adelaide and Brisbane are slowing down at all. They're still raging ahead of many of the regional markets. Perth is, is, is rising. The, the most recent price data from CoreLogic covering the month of April, allegedly, um, there was actually a pickup in the rate of monthly growth in many markets across Australia. You know, contrary to the headlines we're seeing from media, you know, the rate of growth actually picked up in many places, both capital cities and regional markets. And the exceptions are apparently, um, according to their data, Sydney and Melbourne. But that, what, what I know to be true from all the years I've been following and researching is that uh, Sydney and Melbourne are usually the exception, not the rule, 
and media, unfortunately, because most of our major media comes out of Sydney and Melbourne, they tend to take what's happening where they're sitting and extrapolate it across the country. But the reality is that Sydney and Melbourne are usually the exception to the country. So I think we're going to see very strong rising prices for the rest of the year in most parts of Australia. Brisbane and Adelaide will be leading and some of the regional markets, regional Queensland, New South Wales in particular, I think will be strong. Um, and so we're still going to be seeing um, pretty good growth. Uh, but the other thing that really stands out um, is the, um, the, the increases in rates. And now this is something we're kind of used to in Australia, seeing periods when um, sale prices are rising, but to see rental rises at the current levels is quite unusual. And it's happening because uh, vacancy rates are so low almost everywhere. I've never seen them this low. I don't think they ever have been this low uh, um, in recorded history of Australian real estate. Uh, it's hard to find a postcode anywhere in Australia with a, a, post, uh, a vacancy rate even as high as 1%, and which is putting huge upward pr pressure on rentals. And that's another bit of a buffer in the system for those who are going to be paying more on their mortgages. If you're an investor, you're, you're, that's somewhat mitigated by the fact that you, your rental income is likely to be rising and your yields will stay strong. Um, and we're in the middle of a federal election campaign and there's no indication that any of the major parties even know we have a rental shortage crisis, much less have a policy to deal with it. So it's not going to change anytime soon. Uh, it's spot on. Uh, uh, what, what's your thoughts on what's uh, likely to happen in Western Australia, mate? Uh, there's the various uh, views around that and, and it's been coming off a very low base. What's, what's your read of the West? Look, I think Perth is going to have its best year in terms of price growth uh, since the end of the, the big resources investment boom you know, a decade ago. Yeah. Um, it, it had maybe six years when prices were sort of gradually going backwards after the end of that boom. And then it came into recovery. Uh, last year, it showed signs of, of moving, you know, being part of the boom. The numbers don't show it yet, but I don't really believe the price data out of Perth because it conflicts with... I think the best information you can get as a, as a real estate consumer is to talk to people at the coalface, yep. not you know, read what media says is in the numbers. And I don't think the Perth numbers really reflect how busy the Perth market is, how fast things are selling and how fast prices are rising. But what the data does show is very low vacancy rates, rising rentals, um, elevated levels of activity in sales and prices are rising. It's just a question of how much they're rising. Um, yeah, totally agree. Uh, there's always a danger that there's too much focus on median values and median values don't tell the true story at all. No. So you know, if, you're, if you're only focusing on, on the median, then there can be a hell of a lot of activity happening in and around that that doesn't even reflect in those sort of numbers. So yeah. uh, it can be very misleading, I believe. Let me give you a little snippet of information to illustrate for people just how dodgy the data is. Um, I did this exercise. You could do this exercise for, you could choose a suburb, Google median house price, name a suburb. And what you'll get is you'll get seven or eight different answers from seven or eight different websites or research sources. And each one of them will have a different median price. I did it for Blacktown suburb of Sydney recently, and there were, seven different answers from seven different sources, ranging from 740,000 to 900,000. So that's a big range. I did it again today for the suburb of Epping in Melbourne, and there were um, six different answers from six different sources, completely different answers, ranging from 620,000 
to 735,000. That's a, that's a big range. And they're all claiming to, to present the median price for houses in those suburbs. And it just shows that, that this is not data that you can base um, important financial decisions on. Totally, mate. Uh, it's the old story, lies, lies and statistics, mate. Uh, 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 the more things change, the more they remain the same, I think, uh, Terry, in that regard. Look, uh, really want to thank you for these objective and balanced insights again, Terry, and thanks again for joining us on the show today. It's always a pleasure, Bushy. Let's do it again soon. I look forward to it, mate. Now, there it is. Uh, you need to be selective about where you get your information, so stop succumbing to the Fear Factory attention-grabbing headlines of the mainstream media, and instead turn to experienced and objective data-driven industry experts who've seen it all before, like Terry and his team at hotspotting.com.au. You're watching Realty Talk your go-to place for all things property. Successful property investment is a game of finance. Do you have the right team and the right game plan? Realty Talk is brought to you by Know How Property. More than mortgage brokers, Bushy Martin and his team of investment architects set you up with a sustainable strategy structured to lower your costs, tax, risk and stress while increasing your capacity for growth. KnowHow has helped over 1,900 homeowners and investors secure more than $800 million in property wealth. So get set to live more, work less, and live your legacy. Want to know how to invest in your freedom? Visit knowhowproperty.com.au. Hi, and welcome. Now, have you ever spent countless hours, weeks, and months finding your perfect property only to miss out on or end up paying way more than you expect? Well, unfortunately, this is way more common than you expect, where occasional buyers go up against experienced selling agents in David and Goliath type battles, where the industry playing field is well and truly slanted in the favour of the sellers. So how can you buy well, and what are the golden rules for doing this? To unpack this, we're joined by Warwick Brooks, a Melbourne-based buyer's advocate with Longview, who has two decades of buying experience and has successfully purchased and sold over 2,000 properties. So welcome to Realty Talk, Warwick. Thank you for having me. Mate, uh, looking forward to getting into the subject. So to kick it off, uh, tell us about what you regard, regard as the key points and golden rules for investors to buy well. And while we're doing that, uh, what you and Longview look for in a good investment. Yeah, look, definitely. Uh, the key for us and the, the, the guiding light that we go by is uh, longer-term capital growth. So has the property performed? over a substantial period of time on a, on a level that has capital growth that for us, we can kind of go and look at the history and say to the client, for the last 30 to 40 years, this has had an average of 7 to 9% average growth every year. So that's the, the foundation we work off. And then from going from that, it goes into the, your core basics, which is land content. Yep. Um, obviously, land content is, is key. Uh, land scarcity, um, and a lot of people don't understand the the point about the land scarcity, and that's where <clears throat> that's where the land that we're buying cannot be easily replicated. Yep. So, in the city areas, obviously they can't make more land. But even when we start pushing further away from Melbourne, it's about looking at areas where they might have house and land package in some locations, but we're looking at areas where where those house and land packages are on small blocks of land, we're looking at houses that are 
smaller on large blocks of land. So we go for essentially our philosophy is land content over building content. Yeah. Because land is what appreciates in the long term. Yeah, it makes sense. Are there any other uh, key points there that uh, buyers need to be looking for? Well, one of the keys is the direction that the property faces. So obviously a lot of people don't really take into account when they're walking through a property, but the way it faces is is quite detri- can be detrimental to the living of it. So obviously south facing is what we consider to be the worst because that gets the least amount of sun. North facing is what is called what a lot of people believe is the best way for your rear yard or your living areas to be lit up by. And then it's a, it is a bit of a, it's a 50-50 on people of whether or not they like morning sun or afternoon sun. Um, <clears throat> I suggest in the hotter areas, they would like the morning sun. And in the cooler areas, they'd like the afternoon sun. So the obviously we're in Melbourne here, where the east is the, the cooler and the west is the warmer. Uh, so... So that's there. We also, from the in regards to different parts of Melbourne, obviously Melbourne's not completely flat in a lot of areas. Uh, we also like properties that are on the higher side of the road. Yeah. So when you've got one side that's higher than the other side, we always tend to want to go for the higher side. Yeah, it makes sense. There's some good good fundamentals there. So uh, in addition to that, then, uh, does a property with development potential add extra value then? Yeah, so one of the other points that we do look for for clients, especially as we're pushing further out of Melbourne, is land that has the ability to be developed in the future. Nine times out of 10, our clients never develop the land. But our philosophy around that is if we buy land that has the potential to be developed and other land around it is developed, yours becomes more scarce. And if yours becomes more scarce, then therefore it will be in more demand. Now, the other thing you need to understand about buying land that can be developed is it's a little bit cyclical as how it, if you can get extra money for it or not extra money for it. Right now, with the rising costs of materials and so forth, development land is not as desirable because there's not as many people wanting to do it. So when you're looking at property, and we always say long-term hold is what you look for, and if you do buy one with development potential, it is about waiting for that cycle of when the developers are in there feeding frenzy and wanting to buy if when you're wanting to get out is that kind of but it's definitely good to have that potential um as a as a back end yeah a good value add uh, for the, the longer term uh, totally agree uh, on a slightly different tack then what what's your opinion of off-plan property now one of the i suppose one of the worst parts of my job is every week uh people come to me with portfolios where they purchased properties um, of which were off the plan. And we have to give them the, the news that after eight to 10 years, their property is worth less than what they paid for it. Um, and we've done quite a lot of research around a lot of blocks in Melbourne. Um, and on average, the clients that come to us, and these are properties, yeah, from essentially 10 to 15 years out, on average, we probably see around about somewhere between twenty-five dollars to $85,000 loss of people exiting their portfolio. Um, and this is where we have the conversation of what we call changing trains is um, you can only flog it for so long um, before you've got to cut your losses. Uh, but unfortunately, 
They're not designed. Obviously, they have low land content, high building content. Um, there is a huge oversupply of them and they keep building them. So the supply and demand that you need is just not there. Uh, the real estate agents and the developers make lots of money though. Uh, but uh, but yeah, unfortunately, it's a, it is a part of our job that is quite disheartening. Yeah, and I, and I guess that just to sort of focus the uh, the, the uh, solution there, you're really talking about off the plan CBD apartments, essentially. Is that is that mainly what you're talking about? Yeah, like it pushes. It would go, it goes out to areas probably up to 15 kilometres from Melbourne. So I mean, we've got I've got clients of, in Hawthorne that have lost seventy thousand dollars. Another one lost one hundred twenty thousand in Travancore, um, St Kilda. I mean, I can reel off the the list of people who just constantly, and we we do get quite a few people who come to us where they're in forced sale situations through divorce or financial reasons where they 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 have to exit it, um, and therefore we we they they realise it then, and it is um, it's it's actually quite terrible to see how these perform. Yeah, no, no, agreed. So, uh, you know, given that we are now sort of cautiously emerging from the clutches of COVID uh, over the last two years, uh, how have you seen COVID change the property landscape? It's actually significantly changed it um, since prior to COVID. Uh, we've had to re kind of assess how we, we look at real estate. Uh, a lot of the philosophy of real estate was buying closer into the city, land, content once again. Um, but now we've got to the point where people can work wherever they want. Um, most businesses are going three days, the office, two days home. Um, so a lot of people with lockdowns, lockdowns had a big effect on a lot of people. So the, the apartment market just got vacated in that instance, but they also went, okay, we want to move a little bit further out, have more land parks and so forth. Uh, so we saw that ring that was kind of, that kind of 30, sorry, 15 to 45K ring really kind of expand in value and and looking at that. And then with the government's infrastructure projects and so forth, um, it's really kind of taken that away from inner city to some better um, growth prospects a little bit further out. And then we've also got everybody doing sea changes and tree changes, um, of which I'm, I'm a, and also rural, kind of going to regional areas, which we are quite hesitant about the growth of those going forward because they have had such a huge influx of growth. Um, we think yeah, our opinion is, is that once everything settles down, that that growth will stay stagnant for a little, quite a bit longer um, because it has had such a huge growth, um, whereas you kind of go back 15, 20 years in those areas where they grow at a, quite a slow pace. I think um, it will be interesting to see how how people keep moving around and, and once everything settles. But I, I do think that where we're kind of focusing now is that kind of 15 to 45K radius where infrastructure and looking for land. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. I think there will be regional hubs that have the critical mass and diversity of the employment and new infrastructure that's going in together with the technology access uh, to enable the exodus to lifestyle to occur will continue to do okay. But uh, areas that are a bit light on in terms of population and some of those either 
key uh, key criteria are, are likely to uh, stagnate. I think you're right on the money there. Now that's yeah. awesome, mate. Well, look, uh, I really want to thank you for reinforcing these golden rules to buying well, Warwick. And uh, thanks for your generous time on the show today. Thank you very much. Thank you. Well, if you're looking to buy outperforming properties, remember the age-old golden rules of land content, scarcity, future development potential, and lifestyle factors. And if you don't have the time, expertise, confidence to find, negotiate, and buy well, engage an independent buyer's agent to do it for you, like Warwick and his team at longview.com.au. You're watching Realty Talk, your go-to place for all things property. Property deductions can save you thousands of dollars each year. To make sure you maximise deductions, you need to work with the most experienced quantity surveyor in the country. BMT Tax Depreciation is the leading specialist in the industry. They've completed over 700,000 tax deduction schedules for residential investment and commercial properties Australia-wide. BMT guarantee to find double your fee in the first full financial year deductions. Call BMT on 1300 728 726 today for an obligation-free quote. Greetings and welcome. Now, property investing has always been a game of finance with access to and the cost of credit having a very meaningful impact on value growth. So with all the media talk and scaremongering about interest rates on the rise, given the lowest ever RBA cash rate on record, it's not a matter of if the next move is going to be a rate rise, but more when, how much, and how often. So to discuss the impact of rising interest rates on commercial property investing, we're joined by successful investor and commercial buyer's agent, Scott O'Neill, the founder of Rethink Investing, a BRW Fast 100 property investing company specialising in finding rare, positively geared commercial properties right across Australia. So welcome back to the show, Scott. Good to be back, Bushy. Thanks for having me. Yeah, always like having a chat to you, mate. Uh, now, sort of jumping right into it, uh, I'd, I'd love to get your read on what will happen when with interest rates moving forward as you see it. Yeah, so obviously there's a huge amount of media attention on when the rates are going to go up, how fast they're going to go up and what's the ultimate year or number they're going to sit at. And I'm going to be talking from a commercial point of view because that's obviously my angle. Um, I, I'm on the coal face of the commercial market in all states of Australia every day. And I can tell you right away that commercial investors are generally fairly experienced and we plan for rate rises. You know, in all the calculations, you, you add your 2 or 3% just to effectively uh, see how you'd go in that worst case scenario. And none of this is a surprise. We all knew this was coming. We've been living a dream of these super low rates for a long time uh, to the point where some of my clients were getting rates as low as 1.7% last year, you know, for a commercial rate. It's almost free money. Incredible. And now those same rates, uh, they're probably climbed about 0.5 to 0.7 of a percent. So because of all this media attention, uh, the banks have no doubt taken advantage of it and they've already increased the rates. So this whole impending doom of an interest rate rise is kind of already happened for many in your variable rates and someone who's recently takes fixed fixed rate on so yeah i don't think it's going to be the big shock people realize because we've already factored it in and we're coming off such a low base it's, it's, it was inevitable it was going to go up yeah i totally agree with you there so uh, what impact if any do you think uh, the, the rate increases will have on property generally given what you've just said not much well, it's yeah look i don't think much in the commercial point mostly because uh Generally, debt's a lot lower as well. So your probably average debt in the commercial markets would be below 50%. So 
a managed fund with billions under management might be running at a 55% debt level day one of the purchase. And then obviously equity and price growth happens. So that, that interest lending ratio will drop. So we're in a low debt environment. I think you've got to you really look at the reason why interest rates are going up and it's off the back of high inflation. So that's the bigger reason. How's the general economy going? Because if prices are going to slow in commercial property, it's going to be off the back of fear of the economy getting worse. Yeah. Right now, the economy is looking pretty like unemployment is, is incredibly tight. There's you know supply chain issues, which is making it hard to build. So supply of properties is difficult. We're in this real strong section of the market like you know industrial vacancy rates are the lowest they've ever been um there's obviously some weakness in the office markets uh retail's going you know making up for lost time as well yep, yep. um but in general uh, the market is strong and we're seeing further growth and i predict it will keep happening due to people still wanting to invest their large amounts of capital that they've saved through two years of a pandemic and um there's nowhere better to put your money. So until people want to convert their money back to cash and sit it in a bank account, that's when the prices will fall. But I don't know anyone that wants to convert their money back to cash right, right yet at this stage. No, I can't see it uh, anytime soon. So I, uh, sort of folding that into the future then, uh, where do you think the commercial investment opportunities uh, by type and location are going to be once uh, rates start to rise moving forward? Um, so... They've already started rising already, but look, I'm, I think yield is going to be a key factor for, for most investors over the next two to five years. So everyone's yep. had all this incredible growth, you know, up to 30% per annum growth rates in some of the residential markets. So they've, they've got a lot of equity if they own a house. So you've kind of got to use it to, uh, you know, take full benefit of that. You know, so refinancing is, you, you'd see with your business, extremely busy at the moment. You, you probably busy. couldn't keep up. Yeah. Um, but where do you put that money? And higher income assets are an obvious choice because you're taking debt on from a residential property. Like let's say your house has grown a million dollars. Why not pull out 70% of that? You've got a $700,000 deposit that you can go splash into a commercial property. Now, if your interest rate is 3% or 4%, but the yield on the assets 6 or 7%, you're still making margin on your, on your debt. Plus your growth and the leveraging benefit and the diversification benefits like that. there's a lot of reasons to do this you just got to do it properly and doing your due diligence so yeah that, that's what we're seeing a lot of people do in this current market yeah are there any sector types that are going to benefit more than others as you say um so we're seeing a rebound in retail right now so obviously the industrial markets have been the darling of covid uh local manufacturing has come back online you've got huge amounts of storage and logistics benefits from everyone buying stuff online so industrial is going to keep being popular you'll see further growth in that sector yeah. the office market is coming back into fashion it's not quite there yet but we've gone through we've seen vacancy rates almost double in many capital cities um you know like sydney you know we're seeing numbers of sort of five percent vacancy rates jump to like ten percent over the covid period so yeah. a lot of that's getting compressed again so that's going to be an opportunity if you can get it at the right price um yeah. Just got to be careful with office because cultures have changed with many businesses. So you've got to understand the economy in the sector you want to invest in. So there's opportunities in um, certain recession-proof assets, like you've got your medical centers or you know, even things like child cares and you know, those types of specialist facilities are, are going to continually be popular. Um, and and that, they're the opportunities. So I think you've got to just buy with a good yield and that will protect you over the next five years. 
Yeah, very good advice, mate. Uh, I really want to thank you for sharing these educating insights with us, Scott. And thanks again for joining us on the show today. Thanks, Pushing. Thanks, Scott. Well, it's clear that regardless of interest rate movements, there's still plenty of opportunity in the commercial property arena if you know how and where to look. So reach out to Scott and the Rethink Investing team to investigate your options. You're watching Australia's longest running and most popular online property show here on Realty Talk. Successful property investment is a game of finance. Do you have the right team and the right game plan? Realty Talk is brought to you by Know How Property. More than mortgage brokers, Bushy Martin and his team of investment architects set you up with a sustainable strategy structured to lower your costs, tax, risk and stress while increasing your capacity for growth. Know How has helped over 1,900 homeowners and investors secure more than $800 million in property wealth. So get set to live more, work less and live your legacy. Want to know how to invest in your freedom? Visit knowhowproperty.com.au. Well, that brings us to the end of this week's show. Another big thanks to our guests, Terry Ryder, Warwick Brooks and Scott O'Neill. And to make sure you don't miss another episode of your trusted voice in all things property, subscribe to Realty Talk now on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, or wherever you listen. And make sure you sign up on the realty.com.au homepage to get a free copy of my book, Get Invested, to ensure that you get every episode in your inbox every week. And while you're there, make sure you check out one of Australia's most extensive range of properties for sale from over 7,000 agents nationally where you'll even find properties that aren't listed anywhere else. Thanks again to realty.com.au and BMT Tax Depreciation for their ongoing support. I'm Bushy Martin from Know How Property Finance. Remember to get invested and I look forward to seeing you again next week. Miss something in this week's show or want to catch up on past shows? Do it anytime at realty.com.au where we connect buyers, sellers and agents differently. 